on this episode of AV Week, Zero Trust Security and what it means for the AV industry and why AV users should attend Infocom 2023. All that and more next on AV Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. AV Nation is brought to you by Sure, because every voice matters. This is AV Week, episode 614, recorded Friday, May 26th, 2023. Chocolate Egg Security. This is AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audio, visual, news, and information. My name is Tim Albright. I am your host. We haven't even started recording. Well, we have recorded yet, and we're already having some fun. Uh, with us to discuss the news and information we have gathered this week, first and foremost, Erica Carroll from Mersive. And if you watch AV Nation, you also know that she is one of the co-hosts of Women in AV. Welcome, ma'am. Thank you, Tim. Happy to be here. Good to see you, as always. Uh, also with us, Willie Franklin. Uh, Willie is a longtime uh, AV professional in the uh, higher ed space, so welcome, sir. Thank you, thank you. Good to be with you, Tim. And last but not least, Rip Van Winkle, i.e. Chris Fitzsimmons uh, from API SPL. If you're not watching the video, do yourself a favor and go watch it, if nothing else, to see the beautiful beard that Chris has. Thank so. you so much, Tim. It's lovely to be back, finally. You're welcome, sir. Uh, we're going to talk about Infocom um, a, a little bit today, plus, you know, both uh, ABI SPL and, and Mersive have a booth. We'll talk about that at the end. And I actually have a real announcement that I've been teasing for like three weeks that I can officially say because the lawyers told me I could. So <clears throat> that is what you call a tease in the business, kids. Not unlike what Ted Lasso did this week, but that's a whole other story. All right. No spoilers, please. I haven't seen it yet. Avixa, um, the Audiovisual and Integrated Experience Association is expanding its outreach to end users in the AV industry. Uh, reported on uh, AV Network, recognizing the crucial role Played by end users in shaping the future of AV technology and solutions, Avixa aims to engage and empower this important demographic by providing them with access to valuable resources, knowledge, and networking opportunities um, throughout Infocom. By inviting end users to participate actively in the event, Avixa hopes to foster collaboration, innovation, and growth in the AV community. Willie, we are going to start with you, not for nothing, but you are the end user here on this panel. Um, Vix is doing a lot. Now, this is not this is not new, right? Uh, end users have been going to the show. Uh, last year's uh, um, reporting said roughly thirty percent of the attendees were end users uh, in some way, shape, or form, right? Higher education, corporate, what have you. However, this year they're really, really doubling down. They've got a partnership with Hetma. They've got several education opportunities that are squarely. Uh, targeted towards folks that are at the front line of AV. First and foremost, I'm going to ask you very point blank, why should end users go to Infocom? Oh, man, that is not a loaded question. It is a wonderful question to finally be asked. Uh, on the end user side of things, uh, we often, and I say we, often feel like we're at the mercy of the integrators and we're at the mercy of the managers who control the purse strings when it comes to innovation and technology. Uh, the end user's voice have been missing in the equation of all of this for quite some time. So to see that population grow as far as attendees is absolutely wonderful. I mean, I'll, I'll be forthcoming in saying 
when I have the opportunity to talk to the integrator, it's exciting, it's informative. When I have the opportunity to talk with the designers and the researchers, that is just empowering. Um, to me, we're, we're that, what, we're the beta testers, right? Uh, as far as the way I look at it and going into those spaces. So having the opportunity to converse with those who are actually developing the tools that we'll ultimately use, it is absolutely the right move. I wouldn't say it's long overdue. Everything comes in due time. And I don't know. This is our time, Tim. This is our time. Chris, I'm going to ask you from a couple different angles. Uh, if you knew Chris uh, Fitzsimmons 15 years ago, um, he was an editor uh, at, a, at a magazine. Um, that's how I first met him, actually. Um, and then from there, you know, kind of traipsed his way around through manufacturing, working for Biomp, and now he works for, for a, a high, uh, high-end dealer. So all of those, put, put, put all those hats on at the same time, Chris, you know, what should end users expect to get out of Infocom? I think as much as they put in, right? That's a really glib, trite answer. But like, if you go expecting to be buried in swag, you can probably get buried in swag. If you go expecting to get firsthand information from vendors, you can definitely get that, which is, um, to, to Willie's point, like valuable because often it's filtered through the lens of a distributor or an integrator or a consultant. And like, you can go make form your own judgment about whatever it is that you want to go look for. There's a ton of um, education. There's a ton of all kinds of good stuff. I mean, as an editor, it was the place to get the news. Um, but there are lots of other places to get news. The world has changed a little bit in the 15 years since I was editing. Um, as a vendor, we definitely went to see end users, right? One of the reasons to exhibit as a vendor was to see to see the end user, to see the real customer. I'm not saying that integrators aren't the real customer, but there's the customer behind the customer. <laughs> and sometimes that person is hard to talk to in a, in a, in a relaxed environment. Um, I think it's a week where people are not doing their day jobs, which means they're more focused on what they're doing for that week. Now, there are obviously people running around doing email and taking calls and whatever else, but you, you go to Infocom to go to Infocom, not to work and do your day job from a different location. Um, so I think it's easy to find people who are present and available and there to talk to you, right? As an, in, as an end user, they're, the people that are on that booth or one in that conference are there specifically because they want to talk to other people in the business. Um, so I think a trade event is a unique, well, not unique, but rare occurrence like that in that you're, most people are there to be in that space and time and, and, and have that kind of conversation rather than being distracted by customer issue X or tech support ticket Y that's, you know, occupying a lot of bandwidth. All right, Erica, uh, last one on this one. What, what should uh, end users expect this year? So I piggybacking off of uh, both Willie and Chris here, especially from the manufacturing perspective, we have customer councils and, you know, individual customers that, that we work with directly to sort of inform and influence directions that we head. Um, but at Infocom, you get a much more diverse spectrum and you get more ideas, especially going to Infocom when people are coming up with new ideas or showing new technology. If you need to iterate on a new technology, it just gives you a an easier path to build a roadmap, you know, in the second half of the year or going into next year or to even try to position yourself for the year after that. 
So I think it's important to talk to the end, u- end users, to talk to the integrators, and most of all, to talk to people that we wouldn't normally be talking to. And I completely agree. They have that dedicated time to, to focus on a particular person, a contact, and build that relationship. In Willie's case, when we go to conferences, I know that we've built relationships with higher education, both Joel and I in our previous manufacturer positions, and those relationships have really helped to catapult, you know, some of the products that we build and some of the programs that we present in the future. And it's nice to be able to see this focus on end users, not just higher education, but maybe, you know, other corporate end users to help to build those relationships and influence us in the same ways. I'm, I'm gonna, before we move on, I'm, I'm, I'm going to relay a story. Now, this is this is story is probably four years old, and maybe things have changed since then. A, a dear friend of mine, Bradford Ben, uh, which many of you you know, um, he he worked for Harmon for 150 years, right? Um, slight exaggeration. Um, he he ended up working for a a, a company in Orlando that does theme parks and it doesn't involve a mouse. So I'll give you, you know, a little bit of a hint, but I can't say. Um, so he was an end user, right? 100% Bradford was an end user. Now understand, Bradford worked for Harmon for 20 years, right? This is not a stupid man, right? When it comes to AV. Um, probably one of the smarter people that I know in the industry. But he had an end user badge at Infocom, right? He couldn't get water thrown on him at, at some, at some booths, right? So my, my, my appeal to manufacturers is Infocom is making an incredible effort here to get end users there. You guys need to do your job and not ABISPL immersive. I'm not talking to you two because I know both of you and you do, but the other manufacturers who see end users as People who are just looking for swag, they're not. They're looking for information, as Chris said. They're looking for education. They're looking to talk to the product managers, right? If you're going to Infocom as an end user or, or as a dealer or as a manufacturer, you're doing that, like, as Chris said, because it's your job, right? You're not looking for a vacation because this is not a vacation. It's work. So please treat these people as the professionals they are and give them the uh, the time and the energy that they that they deserve. So, Tim, can I just circle back on something Erica said? I think it's yeah. a really good point. The because um, AVISPL has a customer advisory council, right? We have a group of our, but this is the important our biggest customers, who are on the advisory council, right? But that is a bad sample size, right? That's the bad that if statistically that's not great from a product development or any other point of view. Because you're you're not picking on the, the you're not getting the scale or the the variance in size you're not getting SMBs and enterprise and education and everything else so I think having end users at Infocom is hugely beneficial because of the diversity of um, of companies that that brings to the conversation right and I think anything that can be done to encourage that just is benefit to everybody because it makes it more representative of the customer base than perhaps it is today. Because right, you know, today big banks send a couple of their guys and gals and, and you know, large enterprises do, but kind of bringing it back to everybody and making it inclusive for everybody would, it would be a huge benefit to, to the whole industry. We'll, we'll talk about this at the end, but we, we have a number of parties that we're, we're recording this, we're two weeks out. 
I can take a look at that pro at that attendee list and tell you, hey kids, there there are some folks coming, right? And and you you want to talk to them. So, um, alrighty. Uh, for my tech decisions, a story on zero trust security framework. This caught my attention because I just learned about this like six months ago. And Chris is going to throw things at me because he's really smart and he's probably he's probably known about it for ten years. <laughs> I'm going to make it all clear. It's going to be fine. All right. So zero trust is is a you know the blog outlines the initial steps necessary to embark on this journey towards enhanced cybersecurity by adopting zero trust approach. Companies prioritize uh, stringent access controls, continuous monitoring, and multi-factor authentication to mitigate the risk posed by potential security breaches. Chris, I'm going to say it very simplistic, and I'm, I'm going to have you kind of go into what it sure. is and, and how we get it. But the, the nuts and bolts is nothing is trusted. Like, nothing. Like, yep. I don't care if you're plugged in or not. You, it, it is, that's what it means by zero trust, which is how I can understand it. Um, so, Chris, you know, how do we start putting this into place when it comes to, to AV and, and, you know, deploying it? I think we should just spend another 20 seconds on what it is, because I think okay. your def definition is great, right? But I think it, it, you're being kind. I'm being, no, it's, it's a good trust nothing. The old model was if you were inside the walls, you were trusted, right? So if we take our, actually, I read, so I was reading about this yesterday to refresh myself, and they were talking about the soft chocolate and uh, soft candy inside a Cadbury cream egg, which I love, right? If you're inside the chocolate, then you're allowed to do everything. It's assumed that you've got inside the building or you're inside the firewall, and so you're uh, dependable and trustworthy. And the zero trust model, but if you're outside, you get nothing. So hang on, hang on, hang on. Go did, ahead. Did you just compare network security to a Cadbury egg? I did, and I didn't, okay. somebody else did, and I copied their idea. So I wanna <laughs> be clear that I'm appropriating the metaphor. No, no, I'm but giving like, you full credit, continue. If you, so if you trust everything inside the wall and nothing outside, you in it that doesn't work for hybrid work right that doesn't work because we're all outside a lot of the time and so what the solution to that was okay we've got to have a vpn i've got to have a way to get inside the wall so i can be trusted so i can do my job zero trust says we trust you all equally wherever you are and that is not at all, not at all. so whether you're on the corporate network or you're in a coffee bar um you still have to go through the same um, user authentication to get access to the things you want access to. So the other part of zero trust is heavy focus on authenticating your identity before it allows you to do anything. So rather than using your location as the reason to trust you, like you're inside the corporate network, yeah. it says, I, val I validated that you, Tim, are an employee of AV Nation Net, and so you're allowed in or not. Right, so then it, it uses different mechanisms to validate that. It could be multi-factor authentication based on your IP address and a code that you put in on your cell phone, right? Mm -hmm. Or it could be that the device that you're using is a known item with a MAC address that it recognizes and some security software installed upon it, whatever, right? But instead of saying you're in this network location and that makes it fine, it adds other keys to the cipher, if you like, to get you into the network and get you access to the information you want. I'd like to hear the other half of the analogy. If it's not a Cadbury egg, then what is it? Maybe maybe it's like a, maybe it's like a peanut M&M where it's actually hard and crunchy on the inside or something. There you go. Yeah, mm -hmm. there you go. Erica, 
from um, a manufacturer standpoint, how, how do we get this in, implemented into from, you know, because I, I, I lean on manufacturers and I, and I, I beat them up sometimes because it's their gear that's on the network, right? Mm -hmm. um, and it's it's a lot of times, not Mercer specifically, but a lot of times it's, it's AV gear from manufacturers that get hacked that give us all a black eye, right? Mm -hmm. Now, I'm also mm -hmm. gonna beat up on our, our dealers. Y'all aren't changing passwords, right? So everybody's at fault here. So don't, don't misunderstand here. You know, you've got default logins and passwords. Nobody's mm -hmm. changing them. It's all a mess. So, Erica, from a manufacturing standpoint, how do we get start implementing this and start pushing this down the the funnel here to where you know folks like Willie is like, okay, nothing's trusted. That's a great question. So, from the manufacturing side, I think it's an interesting thing that we need to be talking about um, all across the board, not just with mm -hmm. hardware, but also the softwares and all the cloud-enabled things, and you know, the Internet of Things, um, and all the security that goes into that data can be breached hardware-wise when you're inside a room or remotely, especially, you know, now with remote work, uh, like Chris said, that, you know, once you're in the building, it really doesn't matter. Um, nobody can be trusted. So I think manufacturers focusing more on extra authentication and security practices just built into their hardware or their clouds or their softwares um, definitely is something that needs to be addressed in protecting that data and uh, making that data, you know, strictly controlled and monitored and um, only authenticated and authorized users can access the data and the information that they need from those devices. I think there are lots of tools for vendors to use to help with that. Like one of the challenges for hardware mm -hmm. vendors is they used to be inside the trusted box. Right, they were inside the cream egg already, and most of their gear was located inside the cream egg. So we didn't, I'm going to say we, because I was one too, we didn't have to concern ourselves too much about dealing with that. But as soon as the trust went to nobody, you now had to build implementations into your product and services that support the fact that you're no longer trusted. And, mm -hmm. and I lived through this at Biant, right? We ended up spending a lot of time building 802.1x support into all of the Tessera line. Because yeah. we recognized that we needed, it became a blocker, right, for deployment at, at large customers. We, we, you want to go on our network. Well, here's the rules for being on our network. Um, but there's also things like SSO, right? Single sign-on allows you to use the things that the company, the customer has already developed for user security in your product. So if you allow single sign-on in your monitoring platform, for example, and that require them to use company credentials. Company credentials are already protected by things like multi-factor authentication and authentication apps on iPhones, right? I log into my, I use my AVISPL credentials to log into Microsoft's tenant to get at their information and I authenticate using the mechanisms that AVISPL has already built. So it, in that case, the vendor is Microsoft and they're not maybe a bad example because they're Microsoft, but like in general, they didn't have to do much different other than say, we're going to use single sign-on. We've applied the SSO um, credentials into our cloud account as well so that it can be managed uh, by that individual organization. Yeah. Uh, Willie, from, from a, 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 an AV user standpoint, you know, how do you, how do you both pull on the manufacturers and the dealers, right? Saying, Hey kids, th this is where we're going. Um, this is, this is what we need, but also get your internal folks, 
you know, you know, on this if they're not already right. A lot of a lot of IT professionals are already headed down this pathway. But what is this going to do to the to the AV network, right? What is this going to do? Because some, some some folks aren't on our, you know aren't like like Chris said we, they've spent so many years inside the cream egg that they haven't had to worry about this. So how how is it going to impact the overall network of the AV? I don't know, Tim. That's that's a challenging quest. Uh, first of all, I'm I'm on board with zero trust because we are such a connected world, and it's difficult to explain to people. You know, it's not like you want to meet your employees in the parking lot handing out tinfoil hats to everyone to say, you know, you're penetratable. But <laughs> it's the egg. It's the nougat of the egg. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a, bit like, it's a bit like a cream egg. <laughs> indeed. We are so very connected. You, you know, on a personal note, a day or so, I downloaded the Zelle app to share money with a uh, family member as part of a planned family reunion, just paying my expenses, right? Yeah. I've never used a cash-related app before. Uh, I'm old school, paper checks, things of that nature. But here's the real kicker to this, right? So I download the app. I find my bank within just a couple of clicks on the keyboard. It finds my account number, my checking account number, verifying uh, that family member's phone number, and boom, the money is there. We love convenience as end users, and we don't think about all of the granular pieces that make it work. So to make it work, there's all that data that has to be mingled from all of these different networks and servers and levels of connections that would boggle the mind. That's a piece you cannot sell to the average person. What you have to sell them is convenience and security. And in order to have that convenience, here are the steps to security. Uh, so when it comes to implementing that zero trust policy, you're not telling that end user, I don't trust you. You're telling that end user, we value your privacy, your security, and of course, the security of our infrastructure. So yep. that said, here are the protocols to getting work done. Whether it's two-factor authentication, whether you've got to go to a third step, whether your phone uh, or whether that service provider asks you to verify your phone number, email, it doesn't matter. If you want to use this tool, this uh, practice, you must adhere to this policy. Um, so, yeah, the short of it, it's mushy, gushy inside. On the outside, we use it. We love it. And I'm a strong believer in secure networks, bottom line. Fitzsimmons, if I could find a Cadbury egg between now and June, I'd bring you a case of them. Um, really quickly, because it, it, we're... Okay, I understand the personal side of this, right? I, I've got a laptop, Chris has got a, you know, Willie's got a... But you, you've got a control processor somewhere in the back 40 that has to continually... Like, there's, there's no two-factor authentication on a control processor, is there? No, but there might need to be, right? We're getting into a, we're getting into a world where if we're going to, what, in some ways, vendors of equipment are going to be the victims of a change, right? That's the, the risk here in my mind. Is, well, not risk, but that's the, the reality. We're moving to a zero trust network model because of user security, but there are unintended consequences of that, which is that devices that live on networks are going to also not be trusted where they were.
because again, they were inside the creamy center and now there is no creamy center. Yeah, we're mm-hmm. in a peanut. Chris, right. what do you think about manufacturers requiring penetration testing? What do you mean manufacturers requiring it or vent or customers requiring it of manufacturers? Yes. Because I've heard, I had that a lot of biome. We got asked a lot. I'm gonna say, I, if you're if you're not as an as an AV user, you're silly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I mean the the challenge is right. A vendor can go get a certificate from Test House A and say we've had our gear pen tested. No, 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 uh-uh. what? no, no. You bring that stuff in house, your own house. Yeah. No, you can't do that. Absolutely, you can. So you can go to a Test House and get pen tested for assessment purposes. But what I found in my product management experience was that a customer would say, no, we want your gear because we're going to pen test it. Yes. Or we're going to give it to our chosen security consultant and pen test it. You can agree on the third party, but being able to have the results available at the request of the customer, obviously if the customer is going to want to have their own you know, testing done, it's like getting a second opinion from a doctor. <laughs> I think for a vendor to be open and honest about that is an excellent first principle. It's very challenging. It's not cheap. Very, no. very expensive. You've got to maintain mm-hmm. that for probably a whole product line. Um, mm-hmm. and, but it shows willing to the, it shows to a customer that you're taking it seriously, which I think is part of the issue is, is credibility. And some of it also, Chris, is, is and, I, and I say you have to, there, there are certain clients, right? And certain level, you know, here's the thing. If you're buying one of these things, the probably answer is probably going to know. If you're going to deploy it across the globe, you know, the answer is yes. And you got to figure that out. Right. Um, Sometimes it's not just pen testing. Sometimes it's just, hey, we just want to be, put it on our network to see what the yeah. traffic looks like. Hmm. Like we need to be familiar with what it's going to put on our network so the, 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 the security ninjas don't freak out when we do plug this in, right? And if you don't believe there are security ninjas, I've got oh, yes. stories yeah. for you. Yes, yes, exist. yes. All right, devil's advocate. All right. I got to throw this in. Flash forward three, five years from now, AI is going completely vertical. Chip manufacturing. Dang it, Willie, we almost got without chip, saying AI. Chip Go manufacturing ahead. has just broadened. So now you have global territories beginning to establish intellectual property becomes amok. How, how threatened is security at that point? And, and let me see if I can rephrase that question. Um, if, if I'm testing your hardware for vulnerabilities, and I'm looking for market share, how likely am I to create um, a ghost in the machine that allows me to... I'm, I'm taking you all down the rabbit hole. Tim, I know you have another question to ask us. Let's go to that question. <laughs> no, I got nothing else. I was, I was going to wrap up here. We're, 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 yeah, this is fascinating. I think that the security model will just have to change to, to take account of that, right? Nothing is static. But would it change in time? Uh, well, you, if I wanted to be a real rabbit hole, I'd say, well, we'll just use an AI to rewrite the security model to defeat itself, right? If we, want, well, if we really want to go there, that's what we'll say. It depends I, I, on how, it depends, Chris, on, on how secure your environment is when it comes to audio masking that I don't hear that private confidential conversation coming from your room. Sure. Or the AI is going to write it and turn it off when they know that certain people are in the. Oh my gosh. Okay. Mm-hmm. Or Eric is traveling across the globe and uh, sharing vital information so that she can find that Cadbury golden egg. Right. Yeah. Who's got the ticket? Oh, hang on. Now we're mixing up. Okay. Now we're mixing metaphors. All right. This is this is this that's is a, a, that's a red line at which we do not. Oh, cross. Lord Almighty. All right. Thank you guys so much. 
Erica Carroll, thank you. Uh, how do people connect with you, uh, with MRSA, with any, but with how do they find women in AV? Wow. Uh, you can find women on AV podcast at avnation.tv. You can find me at ecarroll at mersive.com. And you can find Mersive at Infocom at booth 4875. All right. Very good. We will see her there. Mr. Chris, thank you, sir. It's always good to see you. And I get to see you in person uh, for the first time in like 15 years. Um, since Un unfortunately, I have a bombshell to drop, which is that you don't. What? But uh, if you want to see other members of the AVISPL team, oh. you can do that at booth 2561. Not going there. And uh, you can get a hold of us at uh, avispl.com. If you're not there, I'm not going. I uh, guess best cancel that flight, buddy. Cause, uh... I I'm going to Envocom. Don't misunderstand. I'm just not going by your booth. <laughs> <laughs> You've already mentally checked out, though. I have you? mentally checked out and checked back in again. Uh, Willie, thank you, sir. <laughs> How do people connect with you? They can reach me at franklindjservices at gmail.com. And hopefully I'll be so lucky as to walk past your booths at the Infocom in June in Orlando. All right. Very good. Uh, for me, for Tim Albright, uh, do not follow me on the Twitters. Uh, as I mentioned before, I'm still crying uh, over Ted Lasso, uh, and the bear season hasn't started yet. Um, so we'll go on the website, avianation.tv. That's avianation.tv. You will find this program and Erica's and a host of others. Uh, I mentioned Infocom. Infocom, I've got a host of things, so just give me a second here. First and foremost, I am very proud of this. I, this was really great uh, by our team to pull this off. Uh, my day job is, is I run marketing for CTI out of St. Louis. We have a booth, 4101, and we have your shot to win $10,000. So if you are a user of AV, if you are an in-house integrator, if you are a specifier, if you in any way, shape, or form consider yourself an end user of AV, you can go by 4101. Wednesday and Thursday uh, of the show and figure out how you can get your shot at $10,000. There. That is the pitch. We also got a couple other parties. The uh, Aviation's got a tweet up on Wednesday from 4 to 6. Uh, you can find that at, at, at aviation.tv. Uh, we are partnering. Uh, so Aviation CTI is partnering for an ice bar event on Tuesday, June 13th. And you'll get to see Erica Carroll there. And if he's good, you'll get to see her husband. And if he's not, you won't. <laughs> At least that's what Erica said. Um, so, but you'll see a bunch of Aviation hosts there as well. Um, so you'll see uh, Erica's cohort, uh, Jennifer Goodyear, uh, and a bunch of other folks there. So I, Ice Bar 6 to 11, do not ask me why it's that long. I didn't do that one, but It'll be a good time at the ice bar. Um, so, yeah, check us all out. So, avianation.tv, that's avianation.tv. It's all in Focon all the time for the next two weeks. And then I'm going to go sleep. So, all right. Uh, thanks so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. That is all the time we have for AV Week.